8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Asraf Gada. Okay, that is a fascinating discussion. Of course, we couldn't get through everything as per always. Uh, there's always some things left to say, but you can certainly raise them, and people have done so. Uh, you can tweet even now. Uh, tag me, Ashraf Garda. Tag SFM Radio. Tag Saftu, as in Saftu News. I think these are underscore news. You'll pick them up on my timeline. Uh, do use the hashtag SAFM Viewpoint uh, when you want to add your opinions. And I'm making the point you can add your opinions on that interview even after the interview. So feel free to do that. Tell me what you like, what you you didn't like ask your questions and you can take it from there we'll have a podcast up of that tomorrow morning around nine o'clock let's talk about the fourth industrial revolution for ir when does it start has it started what does it mean what implications on you your career your family on education on your children on life in general Lots of questions. So we'll get two or three takes on that, but you can give me your opinions as well. Uh, Dr. Maureen Mostyn is one of my two guests, Director of the Institute for Futures Research at uh, Stellenbosch. Dr. Mostyn, appreciate your time. Good evening. Good evening, Ashraf. Thank you. Right. So let's start with this. 4IR, firstly, the fourth industrial revolution. Has it started? If not, when does it start? Is there like a specific date? <laughs> There's an, uh, an old <laughs> saying in future students. Uh, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. So in reality, the fourth industrial revolution is very much with us. And um, this is easy to see just through the phenomenon of technology. And um, perhaps we can just very briefly say that the, the fourth industrial revolution is what is considered to be the fourth large-scale change in the way that industry operates. And that's typically characterized by big data by artificial intelligence and by the internet of things and that puts us in a completely different era okay and perhaps if we can just quickly rewind to say what were the first three industrial revolutions without spending well for, yeah without spending too much time on that yes yeah, just very quickly the, the first was in the, the late 1700s um essentially driven by steam as a result of coal the second was mainly um automation um driven by uh, electricity. The third was what you might call the classical computer age, uh, microprocessors and so on. And the fourth industrial revolution is really the idea that not only are humans now using technology as a tool, but in fact technology has taken on a life of its own, as it were. It is intelligence in an artificial electronic form. So f- first up on, on that, when does this intelligence in an artificial form become too intelligent? I mean, that's like a big fear that I've had with people that I discussed on the weekend. Well, in a certain sense, um, one of the challenges for humans, of course, and and I think that's an implication of your question, what does this mean for the future of humans Mm. when this technology becomes too intelligent? In a certain sense, it is already far beyond um, traditional human intelligence. And The bad news, but also the good news, I'll explain in a moment, is that there's no way for humans to catch up. So in a certain sense, it's already by far exceeded the classical computational abilities of humans. But that's, in a certain sense, good news. Because the interesting paradox, Ashraf, in this era of so-called technology, is that it is forcing us to revisit what it means to be uniquely human. 
Because if you want to compete with technology in the future, one of the best ways of doing that is to behave like a human, because that's the thing that technology will find the most difficult to emulate. Quite fascinating. Now, so yeah, you are. I mean, lots of questions. Uh, you know, impact on humanity, impact on yourself, on your family, on education, and the type of work mm. you do. What sort of questions, therefore, should a person listening to you and I talk? What sort of notes should they be taking, and questions they should be asking themselves? I think one of the kind of large-scale uh, trend shifts that we should be paying attention to is. Um, you know, we, we often joke tongue-in-cheek that it's compulsory for a futurist to use the word paradigm at least once a day. But um, it is, in fact, the, the, the dominant ways in which we think. And in the first Industrial Revolution, one of the dominant paradigms was the idea that it is aspirational for humans to try to emulate the technology. In fact, we still see it in our language 200 years later if someone works very well, we say, that guy is a machine. You know, he works like a machine as if it is somehow a compliment. Um, what we're realizing now is that we have to think about how we compete with machines rather than how we emulate machines. And I think that's a very significant shift to make. And that means that we're not just trying to improve our abilities to compute larger and larger bits of data because... Uh, technology has already taken us over there. What we have to revisit is what sort of competitive differentiation do we have as a human species in an era where we have these other creatures called artificially intelligent technology also on the planet. And that includes fascinating dimensions which to some large degrees have been underdeveloped in the traditional school system elements such as discernment, for example. Many people who finish a degree would say, well, the main thing I got from that degree is the ability to think or argue. Mm. Elements such as creativity, imagination, and a whole host of other creative abilities that, to be honest, have been left dormant because we've been trying to mimic machines and technology for a few hundred years. Well, therefore, let's just go with the issue of education, right? So the type of education that, that our children uh, uh, and students are receiving both at high school, primary school, and certainly at, at uh, university level or other uh, tertiary institutes, is, is that education now geared to, to making or getting the best out of 4IR or not? Again, I, I think it varies enormously. Uh, there are certain – certainly um, I was in Finland a few weeks ago, and, and there's certainly – you know, teachers have been trained to help students, even at primary school, with the ability to develop, for example, anticipatory skills, future thinking skills. If you think about the classical traditional education system, if you if you left Earth, here's an example, if you left Earth a thousand years ago and you came back today, one of the only things you'd recognize is the education system. It's been famously slow to transform, and in fact, the original standard form of the education system was very much designed to prepare people to be obedient factory workers in the first industrial revolution. Think about the classroom setup. It's a line, uh, as in a production line in a factory. It has breaks. You have your sandwich. You come back. You tackle the next task until you get to the end of it. And so really it was an attempt to prepare people to work in factories. The difficulty is that we still think of that model in some educational circles as the best model, when in fact 
the world has already shifted around us. Okay, so is it too late already? Is it? Is it too late then? If if I, I don't think so. Uh, humans have proven themselves amazingly resilient. And the, the fascinating thing is that what we're starting to notice is that kids are starting to educate themselves in some schools despite their education system. Oscar Wilde famously said, fortunately, my education has had no impact on me whatsoever. Um, and, the, and the technology is now allowing us, in a certain sense, this opportunity of what we call autodidactics, the ability to educate yourself through technology. Now, just as with all things, that's not a complete uh, possibility, not a complete generalization, but there is at least the opportunity for young people to educate themselves. Certainly my 10-year-old is already doing that. So, and, and just to confirm, before we move on to other things as well, is that, so the type of, because of, we can just deal with the present tense, what, what may happen, you know, even five years down the line is different, but so now the type of subject and career choices that people choose, is that aligned to, again, getting the maximum out of fire, or, or, or is that a mismatch there? Are we, are we studying things that, in fact, the machines are going to do anyway, or they're doing it already? Well, they, they, anything that, that is procedural, anything that follows five steps and then you get a result, is, in fact, already outdated, because that's something that you can program and that can be produced by, by um, artificial intelligence, and it doesn't even require a high level of artificial intelligence. The reality is that uh, one of the structures you could use is, let's say, the faculties at a, at a university. So there's law and there's commerce and there's science and there's theology or, or whatever it is, education and so on. The reality is that, that um, in their name, in the simple nomenclature, those things are likely to exist in the future, but they will exist in a different format. And one of the things that's happening is the, the so-called half-life of knowledge, in other words, the time that we'll reach where half of what we've learned has expired, certainly in the business environment, has, has, has reduced dramatically. So that by the time even a, a third-year student uh, writes his or her final exam, you know, 50% of what they've learned in the first year um, in certain programs has already expired. So knowledge has really shifted from uh, the idea where I, I need to try to memorize it to the idea that I have access to all this data and it's big data it's huge voluminous quantities of data and that means that the the, the education system based on memory for example which is still a, a, the dominant model in many uh, educational establishments that's really vastly outdated and i don't think is the best preparation for where this is going mm. are, are there therefore you know some particular aspects around 4ir that that uh, people listening should should take notes of? That means that there are particular areas of concern, and I don't mean negatively, just concern that we need to tackle? I think that, um, you know, the, the boxes are shifting. I, I think in, in the so-called modernist era in the 1980s, um, as disruptive as it may have felt at the time, there, there was a kind of structure and order to the world. We really are in a time now, and you can see this in the business environment, where if you're Amazon or Alibaba or Tencent, it's not as if you're in one business. You're not either a retailer or a lender, you know, um, or a customer service business. You are all of those things. And I think that ability to think across boxes and boundaries and borders is certainly one. The second is the idea, of course, that, that our traditional ways of thinking about a career, you know, go and study for three years or so and then work for 30 years or so, mm. that model is certainly something that's already changing. So 
People are coming back to universities more and more, updating their skills, not only at universities, of course, but also through their own learning. And that's another important model. So you, you can't base your your views really now just on what you read in the newspaper and what you might remember from when you were a student 20 years ago. I think that's another really important issue. And I think the third issue is, is this idea that we can no longer afford to think of what humans can do as somehow inferior to what machines can do. We must find a more appreciative way of thinking how that differentiates us from technology. Well, interesting. I think that's the point that uh, I think Professor Chilidzi Marawala, the uh, Vice Chancellor at UJ, is suggesting that we must find ways that we as human beings can, what, outwit, can be cleverer than the machines we create, isn't it? Yes, and I, in fact, I don't think it's all that difficult. Um, you know, sort of quickly tongue-in-cheek, for one thing, we don't need to be plugged in. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are all sorts of abilities that set us apart, and the few that I've mentioned, like creativity, like imagination, um, like discernment, like connecting dots um, with data that we can gather uh, all the time, a lot of those competencies are extremely difficult for technology to match up with. And those are the, the erstwhile byproducts of a traditional education. You know, they're, they're what we consider to be the things I learned by the way, the ability to be influential, persuasive, um, you, know, make a, you know, make a decision in a complex environment and so on. Those skills, I think what's starting to happen is those are becoming more primary focus areas of education. So you can very well imagine that uh, in just a short while, you know, even if you're a business student, you'll have a, on a Thursday morning, a double lecture in imagination in the afternoon, something <laughs> on creativity in the, you know, the next morning. Well, uh, how, I, I, how to I, make I tell you what, my, myself and a group of people literally started a WhatsApp group, high-level high thinkers, and maybe you can join us, but specifically <laughs> around the issue of encouraging creativity and innovative thinking. And I mean, there's not necessarily people in that space. I mean, the, the point I want to make is how important is the issue of innovation and innovative thinking um, to be put on the agenda in the same way, with the same gravity as, let's talk about the land issue. You, you, you get my point. H- how big an issue I, is it? Yes, it, it's, a, it's a, of course a very sensitive matter that you raise. And, and one of the ways to think about the answer to that question is, one of the bits of work that we do is to think about nationalities and geographical regions based on their degree of future orientation. So, for example, in Finland, if I can use that as an example again, and I know it's often quoted, Finland has a, 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 an active parliament that compels the parliament to gather future data from the regions on an annual basis. Finland has a formal parliamentary committee for the future. Dubai has a minister for the future. Here in South Africa, we're really quite a past-oriented society. And of course, this is a this is a sensitive thing to think about. But when we say that, what we essentially mean is all the opportunities exist in the future. <laughs> George Burns, the famous Hollywood comedian, famously said, I look to the future because that's where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And so the ability to consider the future is essential. Now, why is innovation important to respond to your question more directly? One of the characteristics of the fourth industrial revolution is this phenomenon of exponentiality. In other words, the so-called phenomenon of um, unicorn companies, for example, exponential rapid growth. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that the, the not only are things changing, we all know they change, but the pace of change has shifted. In other words, things are changing more quickly. 
And so you could try to catch up, but if you really want to be competitive, you have to be innovative. And that's why one of the international ranking metrics for national entities, for countries, is how innovative are they as a country. Very seldom do you compete in the world by having a very good understanding of your past. Well, there you are. That, that's, by the way, why, the, why we've also got a feature called The Innovators that comes up every evening from around 25 to 10. So there you are. Maybe we're on the right track there. Thank you for your time. It's been fascinating and, and very thought-provoking uh, and innovative in, in thoughts just listening to you. So appreciate uh, your input. Of course, we're going to have more on that. That, of course, is Dr. Mornay Mostert, the director of the Institute for Futures Research at Stellenbosch. Now, we'll have another take on 4IR in a moment. Mmm, this is so delicious. What's the occasion? I just want to add a little vavavum to our relationship. I'll be right back. Oh, there she goes again. I'm out of here. Hi, Bo. Tamba! Ah, he's gone again. Man, don't run away from your problems. SMS help to 32110 or send a please call me to 072-315-2574. Keys and C's apply. SMSs cost one red. Manchester United caretaker manager Ule Gunnar Solskjaer has found the winning rhythm with five victories since he took over the hot seat. I don't look at these games and think, well, we can't win that. I think we can win every single game. This Saturday, Old Trafford will be turned upside down when the Red Devils take on the Seagulls. Brighton FC in the Premier League match of the week. And forced in on the back post there. Brighton back in front. The Premier League match of the week is on your screen. Catch it live this Saturday on SABC3 at 4.30pm. Brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. 8 to 10pm. The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. Well, there you are. The endorsement for innovation is exactly there from Dr. Mornay Mostert. Let's get another thought from astrophysicist. That's Professor uh, Lerotori Liu. Appreciate your time, Prof. Liu. Thanks for, your, thanks for joining us. Hi, Astro. Uh, nice for having me. Absolutely. It's been a while. Let's, let's talk about your take on 4IR. It's been explained already that the more important question is, what do we do about it or what are we doing about it? Uh, as individuals or as society? Maybe both. Let, you know, let, let's separate the two, yeah? Okay. So I think as individuals, um, we should e- immerse and welcome it because it's a really, really uh, exciting uh, thing. I mean, um, as uh, it would have been explained, uh, it is really having technology embedded within society and even, you know, in individuals' uh, in, individuals or human beings and um, just having that that um, technology being so available means uh, that we have potential for our our life to uh, improve um, for um, us to understand um, ourselves better and our societies better and um, indeed um, you know have better lives so I think uh, the way to go is really embrace it. But it, I think it also means we really need to understand what technology is. Because if it's going to be everywhere uh, amongst uh, in us and embedded in our lives, then we can't just have this thing um, you know, uh, around us that we don't quite know. 
So how, how then? So do you think? I mean, goodness, the the average South African battles with the issue of getting bread because of poverty, being poverty stricken every day, and we discussed it early on in the show today. How then will the majority of South Africans embrace just how dramatic these changes are going to impact on our lives? Uh huh. So I think one of the big things about uh, the this industrial, you know. Uh, uh, the fourth industrial uh, revo- revolution is um, this aspect that we it, it it will happen at a at a large scale. So at you know part of it will be driven at big societal levels. So as a society, then um, we should take responsibility in how this is directed. Now, in terms of impacting um, poor people's lives. We should, for example, make sure that uh, these technologies that are embedded in people's lives or in society can be affordable. They would be uh, technologies that can be used um, you know, at all uh, different levels. And um, make sure that um, you know, um, everybody uh, uh, can access them. Um, uh, because if you uh, think about it, you know, um, this working industrial um, revolution is an extension of the digital revolution. And we all sort of know what that is, uh, you know, uh, computers, uh, internet, and, and that. And, and it is true, like you said, uh, that for the digital revolution, that was mostly accessed by you know the uh, rich people or people who had money. Um, now we want to make sure that uh, when we uh, go ahead and um, uh, into this uh, future revolution, that it's not just accessible um, to by those who have uh, money, but uh, that 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 fully uh, um, embedded uh, in society. Okay, what what then, you know, we've been touching on then the careers part, and I, I'm going to dwell on that again because I think we need different takes on that one. So in terms of a person with an existing career or a person still studying, how then should they tackle the fourth industrial revolution? Uh-huh. I, I really like this question because, and I like to talk uh, to it more than just about the person studying, um, but actually every single individual. And, uh, and uh, that's because um, uh, logic is uh, a big underpinner for, for this uh, revolution. So uh, logical thinking and uh, just understanding the way physical uh, things uh, work and uh, cause and effect, why things happen, uh, you know, is very, very important. Uh, so as, uh, you know, as a, a student, uh, definitely be... Um, uh, taking courses where um, that um, uh, are helping you understand this better, why things happen. And then just as any individual in society, you also want to be questioning every single thing, right? Why is this happening uh, you know, to me? Why do I wake up tired this morning? And really try and follow the logic in that, you know, in a physical sense. Um, you know, why is my energy low today? Did I actually eat enough? And if I didn't eat enough, um, or if I ate something, is it because, you know, that thing I ate was not of substance? 
sugar and the sugar burned out. So let me try and eat better. You know, so all these logical things are like really, really key because the technical things that will be around you will be using logic, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want to exploit the logic from these machines to enhance your own life. So I think logic is like really, really key. Uh, and objectivity, like, you know, why this and, you know, and, and being able to question things. Um, and also being able to say, oh, I don't understand that. I need uh, somebody to help me explain it. Um, so not understanding doesn't mean you are stupid, right? It just means that it has not been explained to me properly. Um, so um, as South Africans especially, I think we want to really push away from that um, background, historical background, where people were being classified as less smart than other uh, others, less clever than others, right? We really just uh, want to go to this other way that uh, really, if I don't understand anything, it's because you didn't explain it to mm. me. And you, you know, I, I, I want, you know, uh, um, you know the person who's shooting myself to say, prof, uh, I actually don't understand it because you didn't explain it to me, not because I am, you know, I'm, I'm not as smart as you. Uh, that's really key. Yeah, good point. What what about then the, the the concern that people have that in fact these machines are going to take my job? Um, actually, I don't think it's a natural fear, but it um, there is also a, another scenario to it, and essentially the scenario is that um, it. Uh, it's more like it could help you do your job better. It could help uh, you do your job not using as much force. And um, so there, there is really this other really, uh, good possibility out there that it, it's, it's not that it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, 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 this thing taking my job, but rather uh, maybe free you from doing some other menial job that you could have been doing and then allow you to do something else. So why, why don't um, you people think that jobs are going to be taken? I mean, that if you ask most people, that would be the narrative. Um, so I think that the nature of the jobs will change. And uh, in fact, so you can go through like the historical uh, industrial revolutions that, has, that happened before, right? From, say, just a uh, first uh, industrial revolution that took us from where we needed to be farming in the fields long hours and um, where we needed to be hunting to where this uh, you know, food uh, could be produced uh, for us so that less of us then um, needed to be out there prowling you know, with our physical hands, but we could do other things instead. And all these other revolutions have really, um, industrial revolutions have a chance uh, the nature of our work in this way made our lives better. And this one uh, also has that potential um, of uh, you know, improving um, how uh, we work. It will definitely change the nature of work, you are right. Um, but we want to you know, um, just uh, be embedded so that we, 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 we maneuver it to our advantage rather than you know, think it's just uh, uh, replacing what we were doing. Okay. Are, are there aspects, you know, further aspects about 4IR that, that you wish to bring to the fore? I think um, 
I mean, the the big uh, aspect um, is uh, just what I said, that we really, really want to understand uh, technology. And, I mean, to simple technology such as uh, your car, things that we are exposed to, we really, you know, rather than just as this thing that I get into and, and move, uh, sometimes just ponder how does this machine actually, uh, you know, move? What is that gear that drives the wheels? You know, uh, it's not just that the thing is going by petrol. Petrol, you know, is being burned, um, and uh, the energy from that changes to a mechanical device that then drives this wheel. You know, uh, if uh, try and understand all these uh, uh, basic logic, essentially the fourth industrial revolution is around us and already happening. Right? It's just that. It's um, going to happen at this much um, that this technology and their power they are going to happen at a much faster and uh, rate and uh, uh, which we call exponential, which means the bigger the faster, the faster the bigger, you know, and it will just increase like that. Um, so we want to understand these basics that I'm saying because this uh, growth is going to be so fast we don't want to get left behind, right? If you don't understand how my car actually works, all these other technical things you know, are all around you, you really can't uh, exploit them to improve your life as well. You know, so my big uh, you know, uh, push is please, please just um, uh, try and um, understand the physical world around you uh, because um, this will be uh, an important uh, part to being part of uh, the Okay, and that's where we're going to leave it. Appreciate your time. That's the uh, astrophysicist, rather, Professor uh, Leratori Liu. Good talking to you once again on the issue of 4IR and the implications thereof to your life. Ironically, that's why we started a feature called The Innovators, and part of that is the Carry app, or the Carry app, K-A-R-R-I. Let's find out about that right after this.